0: I hope you enjoy this message from South City C3, a location of C3 Church, Christchurch.
1: So, I, um, we're celebrating a year being here in New Zealand. Uh, well, uh, yeah. In September, it was, it, we, we landed on September 17th, and it's been a year, and um, I was saying this last week, but um, I was at, like I was saying, I was at a conference once, and I remember sitting beside this guy, and uh, another pastor in ministry for years and years and years, and I said, how many friends do you have? And, and he said, oh, I got lots of friends. He was using his Facebook account. He like, he's like, I got so many friends. But then it came down to like, uh, at near when we got to the, the dessert, I said, how many friends do you really have? Like, we talked about what friendship looks like. And he said, I only have a few. It's, I think it's sometimes difficult in the church to have those friends as pastors that will walk with you and talk with you, but also be accountable with you. To have a friend of someone of caliber to be able to say, hey man, that's really tough. Let me pray for you. Not next week, but right there and then. To have a friend that will say, hey man, that's not God's heart for you. You need to pull up and pull out of that. So I got here and I was praying, I said, God, I just need, I need a friend. I-, I love all you. Like, Stu, you're a good guy. Josh, you're stellar. You're my heart. But I need someone that I can go to and say, I have a massive issue with Stu. And a massive, not a, a massive issue with uh, other people. I can't do that. I need someone, Lord. And then God brought me to him. I don't know really how that worked out. I, I think I reached, I reached out to Tier Fund because I had a friend of mine that was doing work in Lebanon with Tier Fund. And then Tim's like, oh, let's have a coffee. And then I remember that one time where I said to Tim, I said, hey, do you? it was around lockdown. I said, you know, it's like you know when um, Cyprus was a, a kid, uh, he would be playing in the playground. And um, I, I would say to Cyprus, you need to go to that boy and say, hi, my name is Cypress. My name is Cypress. You want to play with me? And, and it was like, boom, that's how we did it, like at the playground, right? So I had to say to Tim, hey, Tim, you want to be my friend, and you want to, like, hang out? As, can we move past just the tear fund rep thing? And then Tim had a the moment. There was a the pause, and he's like, yeah, man, I'll be your friend. So I'm glad to say I'm going to bring up my friend to come and speak this morning. Everyone put your hands together for Tim Brown. <laughs> oh, thank you. Wow, what an introduction.
2: <laughs> I have to give this man a hug. Come on. <laughs> wow. That is so, um, it's all true. It is all true. And it's interesting in my role at Tear Fund, its I, I work as a, what's called the church relationship Manager and I and I get around um, the, the South Island and I meet pastors um, like John and um, yeah it is a real a real privilege to to be in that position to um, to be a friend and it's quite funny actually you bring that up because quite often we don't talk about tear fun that much. <laughs> we actually, yeah, pastors just, just need someone to, um, just to download a little bit and just share um, what it's like in their world. So, yeah, and I think it's beautiful with John. I, I, just, I genuinely love this man. Like, we, um, we move beyond the tear fun hat and into friendship, and it's been really beautiful. Um, the other thing that's really cool for me is um, I wear a few different hats, and just recently, I've started working at my home church at Grace Vineyard uh, in a pastoral um, support role. So, so now I'm going to John, saying, John, I've got people in my church, man. You want? You, you think you've got problems? You want to hear about my people? So we're kind of, yeah, it's just cool. We're cool. We can juggle, and uh, it's, as John said um, to me, he said, like, said you know, um, Part of you know, what I enjoy doing is, is dreaming and scheming and just really thinking about what God's doing and how we can be part of it. So yeah, we're dreamers and schemers, um, and it's just so great to have friends in ministry. Eh? So, um, but I thought I'd just quickly show you um, maybe a couple of slides and introduce my family who, who, who couldn't be here today. But um, yeah, if we just flick through those. So this is my wife, Nina. Um, some of you might know her. She used to work at Hillview Christian School. Uh, in the office. In fact, they called her Mrs. Office, I think was was her title. But she worked there for years and years, but she also works at Grace Vineyard now. And the next slide is of my crazy family, which is rapidly expanding, uh, literally as we speak. But on the next slide, um, I'm a granddad. Isn't that cool? So uh, yeah, recently, we, um, for all the grandparents out there, um, we were introduced to the Grandparent Club, which we are loving, and last week, this is the last uh, slide, which I'll, I won't torment you with, but this is my newest grandbaby, and her name is Honey May. Isn't that sweet? She's one week old, so this afternoon I get to go and snuggle with her and inhale her. You love, is that a weird thing to say? Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Eh? Babies just smell delicious. So yeah, but look, thank you so much, um, John, for letting me come and, and speak. Um, yeah, like, um, yeah, as I was saying, it's just been it's been great to, to spend time with him. Um, I did wake up this morning and I thought, oh, I wonder if you're have to wear jeans in their church. So I said to Nina, I said, do you think you can wear jeans? And she was like, yeah. And then I chickened out. And then I arrive at your church, and here's John in jeans and shirt, and I was like. Rats! But, uh, yeah, I thought because was going to be my checkered shirt in, in honour of, of John, but I didn't. Um... Yeah, but yeah, I guess the message today, it's interesting. It's a, it's a tension with Tear Fund because I, I do talk about hard stuff, but I really want you to receive it today as an encouragement. So today, um, I'm really clear on this. It's not a big sell. It's not a Tear Fund infomercial. I've got a six-minute video but later that, that does tell a bit of our story. But, but the majority of what I want to talk about is just kind of day-to-day stuff, being ordinary Christians, trying to live out our life and to serve others who are in need, and I'm going to talk mainly about what it's like locally um, and just share a bit, of a, a bit of a testimony that I really hope encourages you. Um, but I think we need a lot of encouragement this year. Um, and if you're anything like me, we started the year with incredible plans, like I was meant to go overseas, it was going to be the best year ever. Um, and then all of a sudden, uh, as we know, COVID hit, and there's a meme I want to show you that I think sort of captures uh, what it's been like. So, this is me being prepared for 2020. You may have seen this, probably not that funny anymore, but I'm f- ready to go, right? I'm all set for the year. And then the next slide, <laughs> 20. Oh, good, If few of you haven't seen it. It's always a relief, it's always a relief. <laughs> yeah, but I think COVID took us all off guard, right? Um, and despite our best efforts, I think we've all realized that so much of our life is not in our own hands. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm feeling a little weary. I think this year's been tough. I'm feeling a bit tired. And there is part of me that would kind of like just to check out, just to go to ground. I could just hang out with my grandkids. That'd be cool with my little bubble. But there's something deep in my spirit which is kind of saying no, okay? God is doing something in these times, in the midst midst of what is going on, and it's not a time to go inward. It's a time to look after ourselves and have friends that really encourage each other, but it's not okay for us to go inward and not have an outward perspective. Um, First slide, um, or scripture, is um, Galatians 6, verse 9, which says, "'Let us not become weary in doing good, "'for at the proper time we will reap a harvest.'" if we do not give up. And for some reason, as I was just praying into today and just preparing a message, I just really felt like this scripture is really um, significant for you as a church. And it's not a criticism. It's actually the opposite. It's an encouragement. Yeah, like keep on doing what you guys are doing because there is going to be an amazing time um, where um, you are going to reap a harvest. And I sense that that's already starting to happen, that you're starting to see that. Yeah, you know, this church is just is just um, steeped in, in good works. Not good works from man's efforts, but steeped in good works that come from the love of God. And uh, and I think even in the prayer meeting this morning, there was this, this word about, you know, you are conquerors in Christ, that you know who your identity is in Christ and you are overcomers. And I just sense that in this word, um, yeah, it's just a word of encouragement. You know who you are. This church is built on amazing works. You've got Jesus on top of your building that is like a light to the city. So yeah, keep on doing what you're doing because God is doing something really amazing in this time. Um, yeah, so, but with the, there is this challenge, um, you know, and I think God just gives us a really clear um, a, Uh, uh, insight into what his heart is in terms of why we need to continue to give out. Uh, James 2, 14-26 says, uh, What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? uh, Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? And in the same way, faith by itself, not accompanied by action, is dead. Pretty harsh. Um, the story of the Good Samaritan found in Luke 10 uh, sort of packs a similar punch. The point of the story is that helping people at times can be disruptive. It can cost something to our lives, potentially time and finance. But it is the right thing to do you know, when Christ lives in us. Um, part of our outworking of our faith is to love other people, to take the time, to do what it takes to love um, people back to to health and fullness. Because at the end of the day, God loves people; He cannot help it. And then this scripture is like a real kicker: First uh, John three sixteen. By this we know what love is. Jesus laid down His life for us, and we ought to lay our lives down for our brothers. If anyone with earthly possessions sees his brother in need, but withholds his compassion for them, how can the love of God abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word and speech, but in, excuse me, in action and in truth. So there's a challenge, right? We're not, none of us are perfect. We're far from our perfection, but this is where we are heading. This is where we are going. Um, and Jesus, obviously, you know, he demonstrated this. He didn't just uh, just didn't uh, just tell us what to do. He showed us how to do that. And I was reminded um, when I was putting this talk together, you know, that so much of my own Christian life was was um, formed or defined finding Jesus in the midst of a crisis or when I needed help. And on reflection, uh, I just thought about all the ordinary people that did little things, little acts of kindness that radically in the end made a huge difference and changed my life. There's this lovely quote by Mother Teresa that you may be familiar with that says, not all of us can do great things, but we can all do small things with great love. No matter how hard things are, no matter what our circumstances, we can still do little things, but with great love. Um, Before my wife Nina and I became Christians, um, our life was an absolute turmoil. We weren't married, we had a child each from a previous relationship. I was um, still working through drug and alcohol issues that were effectively uh, wrecking our lives. And then we got pregnant with our first child. And we were both just so dysfunctional, our life just was an absolute mess. And earlier in my childhood, one of the wounds that I've carried is that my dad, um, when I was eight years old, he took his life. So as a wee kid, you know, I was just so broken on the inside. And as I was trying to outwork that frustration, it came out as anger and anxiety and uh, depression and all of these things so um, and Lena had her own story as well, but I want to just share just a defining moment of, of a small act of kindness that made a huge difference in our lives. I got off this job by this Christian couple, and at the time, you have to kind of picture this, right? I had really long hair, I was wild, sort of matted dreadlocks, and I was pretty antagonistic towards um, people in general. I thought so I had a chip on my shoulder, um, particularly towards Christians. I just thought Christians were all judgmental and all hypocrites, and what they said about their faith didn't really seem to line up with their actions. And unbeknown to me at the time, uh, my boss's church small group were gathered together, and guess who was on their prayer list for their number one target? It was me, unbeknown to me. One day, out of the blue, my boss bought me tickets to this parenting conference run by Ian and Mary Grant. So, any of you guys familiar with uh, those guys? Yeah. So, I'm not a Christian. I'm wild uh, and pretty antagonistic towards Christians. So, we went along out of spite for my boss. Okay. I just thought it was going to be terrible. How dare he criticise my parenting? So, we went along um, and it was amazing. For it was the first time that we actually learned that you can actually be equipped and empowered to be parents. We, until that point, we had never been told how to parent. Pretty crazy, eh? So, of course, I didn't tell my boss that I enjoyed myself. That would have been way too uh, below me. But then he had the audacity to give me another ticket to a marriage course run by Ian and Mary Grant. I mean, I wasn't even married. And here he is giving me this, this ticket to a marriage course, and so I just thought, this guy has just got such a nerve. So we went along, out of spite. And again, we had no idea that you could actually learn how to be married. Isn't that crazy? And, so, uh, and, the, and we just thought it made so much sense. And we left there um, thinking, actually, I think we could put a few of these things in place, even though it was a Christian thing. And I think, um, yeah, these actions, among many others, by my boss, they actually changed our lives. And I think they actually saved our marriage and our relationship. And it started a journey of slowly learning, as I said, how to become great parents and having an amazing marriage. in fact, one of our favourite things that Nina and I do to this day is we love running marriage courses for young couples, particularly couples that are struggling in their marriage. So there were seeds planted way back then, Uh, In our lives, and the other part of the story, and this is kind of the the best part of the story, is that those little actions—those actions of kindness by people taking a risk, giving people a a ticket to go to a um, course—they ultimately led us to Jesus. And about was about six months later after we'd done that, at the age of twenty-seven, I always get a bit emotional. Sorry, but um, yeah, we started going to church. Um, All our guards came down. Um, we started to hear about Jesus through, through actions of people that were demonstrating what kindness looked like, and we gave our hearts to Jesus, um, which completely changed our lives. So yeah I, just, um, yeah, I just think that it's just so, so cool. Um, and I think, uh, yeah, it was last year, actually, I was um, sharing uh, a testimony in my home church, and then this woman came up to me, And she said, um, did you know that I was in that small group that prayed for you 20 years ago? And I didn't know that. And here you are today. I'm getting really emotional now. Um, Yeah. As a direct response to prayer. So. Yeah. I just want to really encourage you. you Now, for all those people that are praying, I loved um, your um, sharing this morning, David. Yeah. Yeah don't give up. Don't give up praying, because in time, there is going to be a reward, okay? And it happened in my life, and it happened. We heard about it today, so don't give up. So why did I share this? Because stories like this remind me of the importance of offering help to someone in need. Small acts of kindness and generosity done in love that meet a deep need have great power and speak volumes, especially for non-believers. looking at Christians to see whether our faith and actions line up. Both word and deeds must go hand in hand together if the world is going to see the love of Jesus represented through his people. So today, please hear me. My intention is not to lay anything heavy on anyone, but at the same time, I just really want to challenge us with this word in Galatians nine six nine to not become weary in doing good, because good things are coming. And that we may not be able to do big things, the world seems like a big place at the moment, but it's in those small things that we can make such a difference. And prayer is where it all begins. Asking God you know, who we can help, how we can help, and asking God to help us to do it. Because we can't do it in our own ability, right? So Jesus' ministry was defined by bringing the good news to people who were desperately in need of help. And there were over... 2,000 references in the Bible um, that really speaks about God's heart for uh, those living in poverty and those living in injustice. There was a guy, I can't remember his name, but he literally cut out every single reference uh, to injustice and poverty, and they're literally the Bible was just hanging together by a few threads. So poverty and and injustice is a massive part of God's heart. And obviously um, the defining message that, 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 that launched Jesus' ministry Found in Luke four sixteen, it was when Jesus read from the prophet Isaiah about himself, and he says, "The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to um, yet yeah, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor." And it's with these incredible words that Jesus introduces uh, himself in ministry, announces the target of his ministry uh, and mission, and that is the prisoner, the blind, the oppressed. um, And he claims that they will see and be set free and that the scripture will be fulfilled on that day, and it is happening today. And then he spent the next three years of his ministry Demonstrating what that looked like. Again, putting his words, what he said, into action. Teaching his disciples and now us how to do the same. John 10.10 says, "Um, The thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you uh, that they may have life and life to the full. Today, um, as you well know, there are people today that are being robbed of living life in all of its fullness. And Jesus invites us to join him to help others experience what that looks like, to live well. And this is totally what he has done for me. And I'm think, I know this is what he's doing in your life as well. There is just so much need out there, right? So much need in our local communities, people living in oppression through addictions, uh, through abuse, through violence, through poverty and sickness. And I know you guys as a church are incredibly outward focused in what you do as well. The needs are huge. And I guess that encouragement again is to not be overwhelmed, not to give up um, by what we're seeing. Because as a body, uh, we are called to work together, to carry this load and to do our part, both big and small, to represent Jesus, uh, to be his hands and his feet in a really difficult, dark place. Jesus tells us that we're not to do this in our own strength and ability, but he's he's, he's told us to do this with him and through his power. There's simply no way that we could ever do this alone, especially when we look at it from a global perspective, which leads to the work of what we do at Tear Fund. Okay, so um, yeah, I just want to kind of maybe just take a little bit of a side uh, view from local to global. But I just think one of the amazing things I love about um, aid and development and humanitarian work is it's actually, even though on a global scale, it can be quite complicated. I, don't, I think it's also not that dissimilar to the story I told you about um, what God did for Nina and myself. Um, because it's a similar model. My Christian boss and his small group, um, the first thing that they did was that they prayed for us. We had Need. We had a problem. We were dysfunctional and we needed help. But what he did was he looked at what our needs were and found practical help that would actually empower us to be able to go and uh, live life in a much fuller way. And it's not that dissimilar on a, on a global scale, because it's about churches gathering together with global partners identifying the needs in communities where people can't help themselves or they don't have the resources, and actually working with specialists who have the knowledge and the skills to get alongside local people and help them ultimately to help themselves, to give them tools and resources that can lift them out of poverty and things like slavery. So Tefan works through local churches, churches, with local people who are experts in their field. And ultimately the goal is to see individuals and communities transformed by hope, opportunity, and dignity, in exactly the same way um, that my Christian boss did for us. A bit of history uh, began in the UK in 1968. Um, It was at a time in world history where um, there was this region in Nigeria was gripped by famine. 40,000 people a week were dying of starvation. And I kind of remember that as a kid. I remember on TV just seeing suddenly there were all these images of, um, of just extreme poverty. It was quite, quite shocking and quite quite confrontational. Um, and it was um, during that time that, um, yeah, the churches in the UK, they just didn't know how to deal with it. It was quite a new concept of how can we um, deal with uh, an issue on such a global scale? So they formed a... Um, uh, a group called the Evangelical Alliance for Relief. I think the next slide's got the logo on it. And so, again, it was just an alliance of, of churches that wanted to do something, but they just couldn't do it by themselves. Um, on a lighter note, um, they were armed with a very secret weapon. Cliff Richard was the patron. And while I cannot comment on his music, I have some reservations about his dress sense. Next Next slide. Oh, the way. Oh, it's not coming. Do I have to describe what that image was? It's not pretty. Okay, I'll do it. So the <laughs> Cliff Richard, uh, it was in the 70s, I guess, and uh, he was wearing um, a rather... Uh, an outfit that had very little amount of fabric on it that um, sort of covered do you remember in the 70s there were a lot of outfits that were sort of sparkly and lycra and barely covered a man's chest it was that okay I do apologise There, yay okay so this was the the hero of Fund in that time I do apologise John is this appropriate it is now it is now okay there was on a lighter note, but in 1975, TIFUN sprang into action during the time when the Khmer Rouge crisis was in Cambodia, and again it was a similar story. Um, this group of New Zealand churches heard about what was happening in the UK, and again combined together to um, be able to pull resources together to help something on a global scale. And for over 40 years, TIFUN's been um, yeah, it's remain we've remained true to our Christian origins. Our faith statement is, motivated by Jesus, we encourage Kiwis to act for justice, to relieve poverty among the world's most vulnerable people. And today we raise around $14 million a year, we work in around 29 24 countries, and we work with 24 partners in a whole range of areas. So today, um, there is just, as you know, and globally, there is just so much more that can be done in the world. Locally, there is so much more that we can do as well. But I guess, um, rather than me talking, because I feel like it's time to stop talking, um, yeah, I've got a six-minute video that just um, shows the work that we do. Um, some of the people that I work with, these are ordinary people like you guys um, that felt cool to work in this field, um, and they can just explain some of the um, cause areas that we work in. So if we can get that going, it might just take a... Two ticks. Oh, cool. Ignore, it's not a sales pitch. It's just more information about how we work.
3: As followers of Jesus, investing our time, energy and resources for the cause of the poor, the marginalised and those in need of justice is one of the most rewarding ways to express our faith fund we work with Christian partners to fight poverty and injustice. At the heart of our work you'll find the local church both here in New Zealand and overseas working together to serve the world's most vulnerable
4: people. Fundamentally we believe that God loves people and we take the example of Jesus and the stories he told, the story of the Good Samaritan, his command to feed the hungry and clothe the naked and shelter the homeless.
3: Knowing how to help people in need can be overwhelming and complex. At TEFUN, we've broken down our work into four simple areas, and we call them causes. A good way to start a journey is to find the cause that your community connects
4: with. Disasters and conflict is about helping people at a time when they cannot help themselves. So that's for survivors of a, of a tsunami or a, a flood or a famine. Uh, it's for refugees who, through no fault of, fault of their own, they have been pushed out of their country. It's about meeting them in that time of need and, and, and ensuring human dignity is maintained and then helping them to rebuild their lives. But it's more than that. It's actually about helping communities to be stronger and better prepared ahead of a disaster so they're better able to cope, they have greater resilience and they can come through that pleading little or no external support.
0: Modern slavery is an umbrella term that we use here at Tearfund and it can encompass a range of things. It could be human trafficking, sexual exploitation, bonded labour, even forced marriages. Basically, any situation where someone ends up in slave-like conditions. We use a 5P framework and that stands for prevention, prosecution, partnership, protection and policy and we have partners that work in all of these areas.
2: Well I think for Tefan it comes from that belief that um, everyone has that right and drive to provide sustainably for their families and you know we take quite a long term approach for that and it takes time to you know build up that resilience and and to take people from where they are into a place where um, they actually have a hope for their future and yeah and we do that often through a variety of different approaches depending on the context it might be cooperatives or social enterprises or farmers associations different ways to both train farmers and improve what's already there but then also to link them into markets and add value to their crops so they're actually getting a fair return on their work as well and we're maximising those benefits to kind of overcome those vulnerabilities and the things that are actually keeping
4: people poor.
0: People living in in poverty around the world, of which half is under 17. So this is this is a real issue, but it's also a real opportunity um, for the church. And Compassion has really stepped in um, into into these countries, 25 countries, and they have um, created a model that is um, church-based. These programs are run at the local church by the local pastor, volunteers um, that know the community. They they know the poorest of the poor. They know who these children are. Um, the program that's delivered is Christ-centered. Um, these children are told that they are loved, and um, they're loved by Jesus, but they're also loved by the people that's actually working with them. They are loved by a sponsor sitting somewhere in the world that prays for them. So while there's one child and one sponsor, that family is affected. Um, the family affects the community and it is a ripple effect that just flows right through.
3: One of the most rewarding things about our work is to see churches and advocates get excited and get involved in the cause they've chosen.
2: Uh, I love uh, Te Fan's work with farming and enterprise uh, purely because it's about um, giving people the tools and res- resources to do um, work themselves, you know. I, mean, I think particularly for my context, uh, Eastgate and Futter is we're, we're surrounded by farmland, we have a lot of farmers uh,
1: in our church and um, I think it kind of fits really nicely with that as well.
3: We have so much to learn from the church and the developing world that are bold, that are, are are courageous that preach a gospel with skin on, I saw how the power of love and the power of hope brought physical, material, but also emotional and spiritual transformation. To get involved in any of our four because areas, all you need to do is sign up through Connected Church or Advocate Network. We'll get you started so you can learn, pray, and act for justice.
4: One of the, the four biggest obstacles to people coming to faith in New Zealand is that the church doesn't speak well on the subject of suffering. How can a God who says he's loving allow suffering in, in, in his world? And my response to that is God does care about suffering and He expects His church to respond to this. He expects God's people to respond to this. And the biggest response, the most powerful response we can give to any critic or cynic of the church is to show that we we are putting our faith in action and that we are loving those, regardless of who they are, regardless of, of their faith, their gender, ethnicity. We are loving them because God loves people. And so we will obey.
2: So, yeah, I guess to sum up everything this morning, I guess I just love what Andy says at the end. Um, God loves people, and he calls us to do the same. And that means putting our faith into action. And whether that's through small acts of kindness to our neighbors, our employees, our employers, our friends, our family, basically everybody outside of the church that we come across. um, You know, we just called... To listen to the promptings of what the Holy Spirit is telling us, to be ready to help those in need and help people to help themselves. And as I shared in my own testimony um, earlier, that small acts of kindness can change lives forever and ultimately introduce them to Jesus. Um, Yeah, well, you might be feeling, and this is not a sale, honestly. But if you do feel like you would like to be part of a bigger picture, and I'm sure there are numbers here that are already doing this, and you also have your own mission stuff as well. Um, Yeah, Tear is is one of many organisations that are working globally um, in all the different ways that I've shared, Um, and obviously we would love to partner with people that are really keen to get on board. And it's not a stretch to say, again, it doesn't matter how big or how small um, your generosity is, but every small but helps and makes a massive difference. So, as I said at the beginning, in Galatians 6, 9, you know, the Bible says, let us not be weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. And if you're like me, you're feeling a little bit weary about, about this big world And all of its challenge, and even in our own world, and even in our own lives, um, you know, all that we are asked to do is to not get overwhelmed by it, not become weary, but just stay close to Jesus, okay? At the end of the day, it all starts with him. Staying close to him, abiding with him, asking him to fill us with the ability the, the love um, for other people, to love people like, like he does. We cannot do this in our own efforts. It will make us exhausted, right? It'll make us tired and we'll fall over. But at the end of the day, our role is to represent Jesus uh, locally, globally, and ultimately be a light and be the church that he's called us to be. Um, the last scripture I've got is, for it is God who works in you to will and act, In order to fulfill his good purpose. And I guess, yeah, I think that's a really cool way to the end because at the end of the day, it's God in us that is wooing us and willing us and challenging us to be able to go and do these good good things. So um, maybe we'll end, um, maybe just close your eyes and I just would love to pray. Yeah, thank you, Lord. Lord I just thank you for um, for today I thank you for this word um, that you've put on my heart to share and Lord I just thank you um, for this beautiful church I thank you for their hearts Lord I thank you that they are a church whose identity is in you Lord that they are a church that knows what it is to overcome to be conquerors and I thank you for the incredible history of this church Lord that it is soaked in your love soaked in your power Lord, and you have an incredible plan and a purpose for this church, Lord, to um, be part of what you are doing, both locally and globally. And Lord, this morning, I just pray that you would come by the power of your spirit. And Lord, that these, the words today are about putting faith in action, about not giving up. Um, They would not be a criticism. In fact, they would be the opposite, Lord. It would be like your words are reminding them to carry on doing the amazing things that they are doing. And Lord, I thank you for that incredible harvest that they're already beginning to see and for also what is ahead. And Lord, I just pray, um, yeah, that they would continue to be a church of influence. Lord, that all of the, um, the, the ministries um, and, 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 and as individuals, they would just see incredible fruit from their lives as they just reach out into their neighbourhoods Um, and communities and continue to do the amazing work that you're doing. So, Lord, um, for people that are weary here today, Lord, I pray that you would encourage them. Lord, I pray that you would touch them with your spirit. Lord, for uh, people where they are are going about it the wrong way, doing it in their own efforts, um, yeah, and, and just feeling burdened by that, Lord, I pray that you would take off any heaviness that is not from you. And Lord, you would place your uh, gentleness and your grace upon them and really help them to, uh, to walk with you and to work with you uh, and learn the, the, I forget what the, uh, the translation says, but the, the, the gentle rhythms of your grace. So Lord, let your peace rest for these beautiful people. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.